welcome back to That's Football. Let's get it going. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to That's Football with the usuals. Me, Ethan, uh, Ben and Paddy. And it's been a crazy week of football. Yeah, crazy weekend where we saw Brentford go through against Swansea with a, a stunning performance by Ivan Tony and a, a fantastic underdog performance by Chelsea to, to beat Manchester City in the Champions League final against all odds, it seemed. Yeah, so on today's episode, we're going to be having a look at the games of the week. We're also going to be having a look at the newly announced Southgate Euros squad uh, for what would have been 2020. We're going to be having a look at at their number one striker, Harry Kane, one of the world's best footballers as of now, and where he might end up this summer, whether he stays at Tottenham or or moves elsewhere. And we're going to be introducing our That's Football fans to the Euro Fantasy League, uh, which is essentially a league in which our our fans, our massive following, uh, can have a look at some of the Euro's players and put them in a team and then their in-game performance uh, will decide how, how they perform. All of that on today's episode of That's Football. All right, so 2-0 victory for Brentford against Swansea in the Championship. All the, all the goals seem to come in the first half, where Brentford managed to hold off for the rest of the game. Uh, Swansea looking lacklustre, um, a... A d- d- debatable red card. Um, looked like the, the player slipped. I, I know Paddy was watching it with me. Uh, what do you think about that red card? Should it have been given or, or not? Look, the red card was very influential um, in the game. Obviously, Brentford were were two up, but you never know what can happen in those sort of games as the adrenaline uh, kicks in in those final 20 minutes. I personally believe it should have been uh, probably not a card. Uh, I think, obviously, the job of the umpires is very difficult. Um, in that situation, but yeah, not not a red for me. Yeah, so it was a very interesting tackle, and it's it, very sub, um, subjective this um, decision because he looked to have slipped. It didn't look intentional. He looked to have slipped and caught his stud in the heel of um, the player's boot. And the way this becomes an issue is: was it a dangerous tackle? Probably. Was it intentional? No. So for me, at least. Um, I know it wasn't intentional. It was very harsh on the player, but unfortunately, that's not how red cards work. I don't think. I think maybe it was harsh to be a red, and it looked from the position of the ref. I I cannot fault him because it looked horrible, especially watching it live. However, I mean, you can't give red cards um, for um, you can't not give red cards purely just because it's not intentional. If that makes sense. Yeah, like I didn't have the uh, privilege of watching it. I looked at the replay after and I don't know about you boys, but to me, I felt like that was a clear red in my opinion. Like, I don't think that from what I saw, the ball wasn't, he didn't even get near to the ball. He was going straight for the legs. And I just feel like that's just a, it's just not a clean shot. I feel like that's just, I mean, at least a yellow in my opinion. It's interesting because I don't think he was actually trying to tackle the player and you look at it and he's, he kind of, his foot gets taken away from him. Um, rather than him actually propelling his foot outwards. So it's very difficult. The intent wasn't there. Um, the intent wasn't to be a tackle. I reckon he just tripped. But unfortunately, that's not how the game works. Yeah, so Jay Fulton, uh, the man who was taken off in the 65th, 
been vital in in Swansea's defence this year. Um, we've had a look at at this at this game. Uh, obviously, great game with Tony uh, scoring that early goal from that penalty. That's uh, probably not a debatable penalty, uh, but one that penalties uh, always can uh, be debated. And then a goal, pretty much. Uh, straight after it felt like um, from Mark Hondes, uh in the 20th, which was a bit of a rebounder, but overall a good goal that sort of put the game to bed because it never really felt like Swansea were were on top of that game or even in it um, after those first 20 minutes. So I think that the result of the red is obviously disappointing um, for Fulton, who would, who would have loved to be out there for the full 90. But with the state of that team, um, I don't think they could have, put up um, put up performances next year in the Premier League. So I think it's well-deserved to Brentford. Where do you boys feel that Brentford could finish next season in the Premier League? As they have finished third out of all the teams that have moved up. So they are the least successful promoted team, I guess you could say. But they seem, everyone seems to love them. Everyone seems to think they can do well in the Premier League. Um, I think it's probably because the hype around Tony, etc. But I don't know. How do you, what do you boys think? Especially Aethon. Um, look, I've always loved Brentford. They're a good side, but I think the last time they've been in the Prem, correct me if I'm wrong, but was it 74 years? Yeah, around that. I feel like that's a long time since a team's been in the Prem and not being in there for that long, I feel like you need a couple of years going in and out to fully understand the level of what Prem offers. And I feel like they won't be able to bring that. As much as I love Tony, you know, he's a great player. Um... I feel like they need a bit more depth in their side to, you know, fully stay in the prem. So personally, I think that with the likes of Ivan Tony, who I did controversially say could potentially fill the spot uh, of Harry Kane, I don't think he's going to leave uh, Brentford, but I, I think they actually can go well. So this is sort of to Ethan here. So do you think that uh, that Watford and, uh, and Norwich in going up, do you think that they will be uh, much better than Brentford simply because they have had that Premier League experience a couple of years ago? Well, not not only because of they've had that experience, but also just the quality that they've shown during the league, you know? I mean, Brentford, it's not a bad finish from Brentford. Fourth is great. But stuff like Watford and Norwich, what, what was it, a first and second? I feel like they will just also have the experience as well as the better skill to, for them to stay in the Prem. Yeah, boys, um, you're really interesting. Um. Your point, Ethan, about them not being in the Prem is definitely a good point. But we've seen clubs recently who haven't been in the Prem for a long time, or not 74 years, but certainly um, additional of the 10 years, um, like Sheffield, Sheffield United and Leeds, who have done quite well when they've come into the Prem. So maybe maybe we, we could see Brentford come in and um, we, we could see Brentford come in and do well, maybe do that like first season the first season wonders that, you know, like the Wolves and Leeds and Sheffield United have done. Uh, but personally, um, I think the issue with them is they, sometimes in the moments where they need to perform, obviously they did just win the player finals. They've just lacked that last, that last bit of composure to get the result. Um, we, we saw them in a position to almost get automatic promotion. Obviously it doesn't matter anymore because they have got promotion other anyways, but in the moments where they needed just to make it a bit easier for themselves, they've lost a few games, um, therefore allowing Watford to get promoted rather than them. So I feel 
Um, I feel that's where they might come short. I don't think they will be bottom of the table. I think they'll be in a relegation battle all season. Um, but I reckon they'll be well off the bottom of the table, if that makes sense. All right, that's that's interesting. Um, personally, I'm going to put them uh, finishing finishing 19th. I don't think they're going to be able to stay up. But as Ethan said, I think maybe give them give them a year and then back down in the championship, develop some of their some of their youth talent. Hopefully, bring some players up. And then with a few good transfers, they'll definitely uh, be up there, be able to do a, a Leeds or a Wolves. The lack of the financial takeover obviously is uh, makes it a lot more difficult to do that. But yeah, I do see them having a good year. I see them playing some good football like Fulham have this year, but I just don't see them getting out of that relegation zone. Ethan, how, what do you reckon? Oh yeah, I reckon it's probably going to be a similar result, 19th, 18th around there, maybe a bit lower than that, maybe on the 20th, but um yeah, no, I think I think it will be good for them to go back down, though, to give them an insight on what the Prem is all about, especially after all those years. Then they can, you know, recompose themselves in the championship, probably go back up again and then have a real good crack at it. Oh, for me, final position, uh, I, reckon, I reckon they can stay up. I reckon they'll survive 17th. 17th from your man, Ben Hooker. It's going to be interesting to see where they finish. Um, as we talk about the Premier League, we can look at the, the two sides this weekend that didn't play in the Premier League but played in the Champions League final. Second time for a, uh, for a few years that we've seen these, uh, these English giants end up in a Champions League final. We saw Liverpool uh, and, and Tottenham that had a similar sort of result, but I felt like this game uh, was a lot more exciting, a lot better game than it was a few years ago. Boys, what do we reckon? Despite the um, the one nil scoreline, um, it still felt like you had you you had to be paying attention. Anything could happen at any moment, and it was just it was just it was beautiful to watch. Just Chelsea dominate and dominate and dominate. Like of course they didn't really play the attacking football. It was counter attacking football, but despite not having a, a huge amount of shots, not having a huge amount, or they had actually they did have quite a few chances but not having as many maybe attacking threat as Man City did, they still look to control the ball and be dominant um, rather than City, who had a very qu- questionable game. It seems like they they kind of fumbled it in the in the moments where I mean, it mattered most, really. I mean, they went through the tournament and they beat the best teams, to be honest, the favourites. They beat Bayern. Well, I didn't beat Bayern, sorry. They beat, the, beat, um, they beat, they beat PSG, who beat Bayern. Um, so and and also beat Dortmund, which is no easy game. So it wasn't like Chelsea was their hardest game yet, but Chelsea just showed up. Man City overfought it. First time in the Champions League, they'll be back again. Yeah, and um, I think Yaya Toure's um her, talked earlier about the African curse that was on Man City, and um, I think that probably got to Pep's head because I don't know what he was thinking with that team selection. I don't think there was a single confident defensive midfielder like Fernandinho wasn't in the starting lineup Rodri wasn't even close so Fernandinho did get put on the field and they felt a lot stronger in those five minutes um in those first five that he was on the pitch you just felt like in that in that first um instant you saw those starting lineups you saw Chelsea as this team who who shouldn't necessarily be in this um in this final on paper and then you see Man City, this team with 
with backups in every position that would potentially uh, challenge for a Premier League title. And then you saw the starting lineup, and it just it just didn't make sense. Um, I think De Bruyne up top is what they've been doing for a while. Obviously, that didn't work out, uh, but it just didn't feel right. I don't think Sterling um, on the pitch was a good shout uh, to start. I think. There was no defensive-minded midfielder. Uh, Rodri has been amazing this season, and he just wasn't wasn't put on the list. So it's got to be – the onus has to be put on Pep in this situation. The players didn't turn up, but at the end of the day, they can't do anything if a uh, bad lineup is put on the board. And it's once again Pep over- overthinking a game, uh, costing his chance at a Champions League. It's it's strange though for me at least because um Pep Guardiola has a hundred percent record in finals, and for him to for him to overthink it like that is actually a real shock to me. Um, especially something so simple. Um, you know what they always say: you have got to get the basic rights, um, the basic get the basics, get the basics right, and then you can move on to the advanced stuff. And he seemed to remove the basics and skip straight to the advanced stuff. And what ha- what happened there, for example, the basics, not having a DM, not having a recognised striker. I know they've been able to do that for most of the year, but in the final, you need someone there to can score the goals. Um, and De Bruyne obviously can, but he's more suited in that, either centre-mid or centre-attacking mid-roll. Um, so, yeah, very interesting, very interesting weekend. Um, one game went the way that we all thought it would. Um, and the other game um, went the the other way, um, especially when Kante shows up like the way he did. It's Kante can change a game. N'Golo Kante can change a game, but so too can his teammate Mason Mount, who has been recently selected into the England squad alongside his teammate Reese James. Now, we've definitely got to talk about the players who are missing. But I think the best thing to first talk about is this four right back situation. We know England is the most stacked squad in the world in terms of that right back position. Boys, what do we think about them four being selected? Uh, yeah, so the four uh, fullbacks, right backs that they had was Reese James, uh, Carl Walker, Trent and Trippier. And I do not know what he was doing with that situation. Like in what world do they need four right backs? Like I know... Like, from what I see in that, I think, oh, Southgate's going with a five-back. But then it makes me think, do we need to have a five-back? Because, like, he says, you know, people say you can convert Carl Walker to a centre-back and you can convert Reese James to, to a centre-back. But I feel like you don't need that many right-backs. All right. So it's interesting because, um, you see... I watched the press conference this, early this morning um, about the decision on um, bringing four right backs. And he seemed to say that he it came down to just picking the best 26. And it seemed that he kind of suggested that because he couldn't decide who to bring, and this is what it seemed, this is what I perceived from it, because he couldn't decide which right back to bring, it was like this, okay, these four right backs... Are in our best players, no matter the position, they're our best players, in our best 26 players. So I'm bringing all of them, which shows me a lack of bot, like a lack of bottle, you, you could say. The lack of ability to, you know, you know what, you're not coming, you haven't been good enough. Whether that is Reese James, whether that is Trippier, whether that's Trent, whether that's Walker. Now, um, he also said that I could, if I could, I would bring six. 
now, which is very interesting because he's missed out Wan-Bissaka. And I think what he meant by that was adding on to the point before, saying that all he wanted to do was just bring, bring the best players along. And I think the main reason why he's bringing so many defenders is purely because um, he's worried about Maguire not being fit enough to play. Therefore, bringing Reese James and Carl Walker, who can both play that centre-back role, plus the two extra right-backs. So I think he's worried that because of Maguire can't, if Maguire can't play, um, we've got backup anyways. Yeah, I think that's a good shout. I think the four right backs isn't isn't too bad. Obviously, it's it's very very odd um, decision. You won't see any other squads taking that many players, especially in that position. Uh, but the versatility does help. Let's have a look at the players that uh, that did get left out. We've got Ramsdale in goal. Uh, the two centre backs are White and Holgate, Ward Prowse. Jesse Lingard, Mason Greenwood, and Ollie Watkins. Now, what I personally make of that, I think it's a it's a good selection. It's not uh, too controversial. I think the right-back situation, if he didn't take one of them, there would have been a lot of controversy, and maybe uh, Southgate is trying to avoid avoid that. Um, I, think, I think I put Lingard to go. I think his recent form... Has been has been amazing, but potentially Southgate's going beyond that. And then the the centre backs, I think that was a, a a decision that people thought was coming. Everyone thought that Connor Cody would stay in that squad. And then for me, it's it's Greenwood being left out. I don't think that that's that's fair at all. He provides so much X factor in that team. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think. Southgate's job has to be respected. Um, yeah. Yeah, look, I think it's pretty um, self-explanatory with Ramsdale, Holgate, and maybe White. Um, and I think Cody would be good as a backup centre-back for if Harry Maguire isn't fit, which is probably a good option from um, Southgate. But something I don't like is... The fact that Lingard and Ward Prowse are not in the squad, I would have preferred to have um, Lingard and Ward Prowse in there, just because <clears throat> I feel like we need more central midfielders that can play both roles instead of just having you know Mason Mount and then Henderson and and um, and Rice, and I think there was one other in there as well. But I feel like the fact that we have four right backs and I think also four centre backs. I feel like that really could have been used more in the midfield just to strengthen the depth because I feel like, again, four right-backs is a bit unnecessary and that could have been just used in a different aspect of the team. Yeah, exactly, Ethan. Exactly that. I feel uh, by like the thing that annoys me the most about being four right-backs is not the fact that we brought four right-backs, the fact that we haven't brought another midfielder. Um, so for me, I would rather bring James Ward-Prowse than Lingard. I know in the previous... Um, episode I said that I would drop James Ward-Prowse but I'm kind of regretting that now I feel like James Ward-Prowse's form gets tied a lot with Southampton, Southampton's form which is quite r- wrong um, he's actually still he's just been just as good as he was at the start of the year it's just unfortunately his team hasn't done as well so I feel he doesn't get the credit just because he's playing for Southampton so I feel like he, he should go especially he's the best set pick tech set piece taker in England and in the league 
Um, and whether you could you could argue he's one of the best free kick takers in the world. So it just doesn't make sense not bringing him um, personally. Uh, just adding on to that as well, uh, Greenwood um, um, took himself out of the squad. He wasn't dropped. Um, yeah, so he wasn't dropped. He was injured and he took himself out of the squad. Um, so, okay, we're going to talk about the starting 11 here. I mean, this is it arguably even harder than... Um, arguably even harder than choosing the whole squad. But this is probably better because there's real no... And I'll explain it. There's no consequences because you can pick so many different styles that you could play and we're not leaving anyone out because you can always bring in them in for another game if that makes sense we're not leaving anyone home so for me starting keeper for me it was between dean henderson and pickford um it's got to be pickford just experience uh at right back uh it's probably i'll probably play a three back because we've been facilitated these players to play a three back not because I would want to. Um, it's just because we're lacking midfield players now. So I play right wing back, Trent. Uh, right centre back, Walker. Maguire is that centre that centre back, um, the middle centre back. Um, and then left centre back, John Stones. With Shaw, left wing back. Uh, Jude Bellingham, centre mid. Or Mason Mount. Oh, that's tough. Actually, I might just leave it there. Mason Mount or Jude Bellingham? Mason Mount or Jude Bellingham is going to be a question discussed by everyone and also uh, by Southgate. I've gone Mount uh, in my squad, the same same back five or back three, whatever you want to call it, uh, with the wing backs of Shaw and Trent. I'm going to say Mason Mount and Declan Rice in the midfield. Rice for that more defensive player, Mount to be that more creative midfielder going forward. And then I've got Foden on the left, Kane central, and Sancho on the right. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good squad. Um, <clears throat> I've gone for a bit of a different approach. Um, I've gone for a four-five-one formation, and obviously we've got Dean Henderson uh, in the back sticks. Um, fullbacks Trent and Luke Shaw. Um, Center backs Harry Maguire if fit, um, if not Connor Cody, and then John Stones as well. Um, and my central defensive midfielder, I've put Henderson. I think he's got that experience in the team and I feel like he can just be that rock in the middle for everyone. Um, and then in the midfield, so these are like the central attacking midfielders. I've got Mason Mount and Jack Grealish. I feel like Jack Grealish has been too class to not put in the squad. I feel like he needs to be there. Um, left wing slash left mid, depending whether they want to play Raheem Sterling. And then obviously striker Harry Kane and then central on the right side. So you, you've decided not to play um, Carl Walker, is that right? Yeah. So who did you put... Sorry, I, can you list it again? Who did you put over um, Carl Walker? So you've put Trent in? Yeah, I've put Trent. Okay. Um, yeah, I think if you play back four, that is completely fine. Uh, I feel like in the big games... I feel like in the big games, like especially like a final and the quarterfinals, uh, not, playing, um, not playing Walker could be a questionable t- decision. Um, purely because when you're playing against Mbappe, Ronaldo, um, Memphis Depay, those sort of games, um, not having that defense. I'm not. I'm not saying that Trent is a defensive liability, but he doesn't offer as much in defense, which might be something we need more than attacking. Especially when you're playing a four, um, where Trent acts like a um, a midfield player in a five, you don't really need. 
yeah, it's just an interesting decision. I feel that's completely fine against a team like um, or the teams we'll be playing in the group stage, like Czech Republic and Scotland. Maybe against Croatia, we'll move back to a five back, or we'll play Walker right back. So I feel I my opinion on Trent and Trent, like my opinion on the 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 conflict between Trent and Walker, um, where who where who plays would be Trent in a five back. But Trent doesn't play fullback unless we're playing, so unless we're playing a, a weaker side. Yeah. Um. Just quickly, I wanted to say I also put uh, below my starting eleven also my substitutes that I'd make during the competition, and under here I said Carl Walker can be interchangeable with Trent if any of them need rest. So I think basically, I feel like if if need be, we can put Kyle in that in that fullback position and it will just work fine. And if we want to go for more of an attacking situation, Trent can be there as well. Yep, that makes sense. So let's have a look at uh, just quickly just some of the subs that can be made from England. We know there are stacked sides, so the substitutes are going to be just as good as the players already on the field. Yes, so England, one of the, the deepest squads in the Euros, probably just behind France. Um, and that, like, everyone's talking about that right-back position, saying, oh, we brought four right, right-backs. People forgetting we've actually brought um, four, um, four left-wingers as well. Obviously, these left wings are far more versatile. We've seen Rashford play um, centre forward. We've seen Sterling play on the right in that false nine position. We've also seen Foden pretty much play anywhere in the tack along with Grealish. Um, and then that centre mid role, we've got Calvin Phillips to back up Rice. We've got Henderson to back up Rice. We've got it's just it. We've got players galore. We've got class like all these players. I would have no problem starting, and that's I think that's the beauty of um of the beauty of this English team at the moment. Whether it'll be that we can get it right this tournament, whether we can get the um, whether we can get that chemistry going from the off, it's going to be difficult because we've just we've got to find that one team. Well, that actually, it's a weird weakness of England. So it's a very weird weakness. Everyone says, "Oh, having so many options is such a good thing," and I completely agree with them. But we could we see this lack of one guaranteed first team a weakness, which I think would be very interesting. But the subs are brilliant. Yeah, one player we know that Southgate is probably not going to drop is Harry Kane. And he's a massive talking point uh, for this summer transfer window. We are going to see him in England as he says he wants to stay. But the club is still in dispute. All right. Big, big transfer news. As we've seen Harry Kane, who's come, it seems to be coming to the, um, the end of his stint at Tottenham um, after serving for them for six years. Scoring over 150 Premier League goals. I believe it's up to the 160s now. Winning Golden Boot this year. A superb player. One of the best players in the world at the moment. They seem to be a bit frustrated and getting impatient at the lack of success Tottenham are achieving in trophy sense. Um, he's not one to hang around at the club. He's one who wants to doesn't want to look back on his career with no regrets. As he mentioned... Um, and many times, especially on the interview between him and Gary Neville, um, he doesn't want to come to the end of his um the end of his career, um, not performing at his best ability. So he's got options. He wants to leave Tottenham. Or he's 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 gone to Daniel Levy and said, "I want to leave." Where does he go? Well, first sort of club that came up was PSG. Um, this is seemingly kind of disappeared quite quickly, purely because. Oh, PSG looks good. Looks like a good option. Pochettino's there, etc. But Harry Kane has his eyes 
on that Alan Shearer record. And also he's got three kids and a wife looking quite comfortable in London. So whether he wants to stay in London, he definitely wants to stay in England. Arguably his biggest decision is whether to stay in London. Now in London includes Tottenham or going to Chelsea. Now, staying at Tottenham, what that offer him? Well, he's probably missing a crossroad in his career if he stays at Tottenham. Uh, Where he's not going to be as worth as much um, in the few years. Whether he's he could be just playing just as well, but we we see with the transfer market um, and the the habits of big clubs, they don't want to spend money on these big um, these on the old slightly older players. So if he decides to stay at Spurs here, he seems to be missing that crossroad in his career where he could leave. So if he stays at Tottenham, very well he could be at Tottenham for the rest of his career. Um, and the other big club is Chelsea. Now, we all know that Chelsea have brought in uh, a striker in the, in the last year, this being Timo Werner. Now, we all know that he can't finish, and Harry Kane is, is quite the opposite of this. So potentially, this player could be in a, in a swap deal with Kane. Now, Werner and Kane in the same squad in a team that doesn't really play through strikers uh, will never work, but obviously they, they could adapt to that. I think Chelsea's the the long run in getting Harry Kane uh, in the team, but I would I would personally like to see him there. I think him with Mason Mount in the Euros is going to show us if they work as a as a duo, and it'd be great uh, to see them together at Chelsea. But I don't think the club has has the funds. Um, I didn't think they had the funds up until the Champions League final. Now this this final pays. Uh, tens of millions of dollars um, in actual money, but also in terms of uh, club fame uh, and that sort of stuff. And it'd be a massive enticer to Harry Kane to move to a club which has just won a Champions League, um, which is his club, Tottenham, just cannot seem to do. Um, And they seem to be on the decline as well, which you cannot say the same thing about Chelsea. They're on the up after this uh, game. I'd love to see him at Chelsea with, with their midfield, um, obviously their forwards have been uh, debatable, but Havertz scoring in that Champions League final should give some confidence uh, to work with players like Harry Kane, and it could be a very interesting transfer. Ethan, what do you reckon about your side, Man United, signing the big man up top? Look, before we go on to Manchester United, I just want to uh, clearly talk about that team of Werner situation. Um, I mean... I think the, the Chelsea manager stated before that he has faith in Timo Werner, and I think with those statements, I feel like he wants to ride the you know long train with him and see how he turns out. So I, I don't know how Chelsea feel as an option for Harry Kane, but Manchester United, I don't I don't think that's going to happen. Um, with with Cavani's form recently. And also Martial starting to kind of get out of his slump. He's still in it, but he's slowly starting to get out. I feel like there's just no need for another striker. Um, we Manchester United need to look at other options in other positions and should not be chasing for uh, massive players like Harry Kane. But um, I think the main team that you guys can talk about is Manchester City. Yeah, well, City seems to be the team that everyone's getting excited for. Everyone's saying, oh, if Ken goes to City, it's all over. Um, 
Man City are sorted for the the future years to come. And to be honest, that's that's where I see Kane going if he leaves. Um, like the difference between Man United and Chelsea, and difference, yeah, the difference between Man United, Chelsea, and City is that Man United their priorities aren't quite striker. They've just extended their the contract with Edison Cavani. And also, they're trying to get Jane Sancho. They're looking like, in the early stages of this transfer window, they're actually looking like they are quite keen on um, maybe putting a foot um, and standing up and actually putting that money out for Jane Sancho, which is the opposite of what they did last season. Um, so, yeah, maybe Man United, the priorities aren't quite, aren't quite uh, a striker currently. Um, and if it were to be a striker, it'd be a younger striker because that kind of already got another experienced striker. So for me, that doesn't quite make sense. Now, City don't have a striker at all. They've just sold Aguero. So it seems like the perfect fit. Similar to Chelsea, because Chelsea, they've got Timo Werner. Whether Tuchel wants to um, play the long game with Timo Werner or Timo Werner is quite versatile and play on the left wing. So he could actually bring in Kane as well. The issue I see with the Chelsea one is um, it's not. It might look like a perfect fit for Chelsea. Might be a perfect fit for Tuchel. Um, might be a perfect fit for Harry Kane's career. But frankly, Kane's not going to go to Chelsea. Why would he go to? He's not. He doesn't want to go to Chelsea. Not because of their how good they are as a club. Because Spurs and Chelsea are arch rivals, and Harry Kane loves Spurs with his all of his heart. Well, at least I hope he does. But. We've seen this. He loves Spurs. Um, so I just... And I don't think he's the type of player who would leave his boyhood club and go to Chelsea. That's a that's a fair shout. We know we know all of this about Harry Kane. Uh, he's, he's most likely going to move probably to City. Uh, but wherever he goes, he's going to score goals and he's going he's gonna to progress uh, through his career. Now, he is a man who I have put in my... Uh, Euros Fantasy League team simply because I think he's going to score many goals at the Euros. Now, boys, take us, take me through a few players uh, in your squads for the fantasy team. Um, yeah, well, I think the obvious uh, player is Harry Kane. I think a lot of people are going to have him in his squad. I don't know the exact percentage I saw on um, on the Euros uh, site, but I think it's a lot. Um, but other than that, I think. Some other standout players will be Lukaku. I think he's done incredible in um, the Serie A, and I think he's going to do really well with the group stage that he has. Um, I think he's just going to do really well in that um, in that field of teams. And other than that, I've got people like De Bruyne in there. I feel like he's just going to be class unless he's still injured from uh, from the final. Um, I also think an underlie will be De Jong. As well in that midfield, I feel like he's going to be really good. Um, how about you, boys? Well, I'm not sure about Dion because um, it might be a slightly cheaper option. But is he he really struggles to get them goal involvements. So personally, for me, my midfield is kind of stacked with those um, sort of wingers, central attacking mids um, for the likes of Ferran Torres, who seemed to be fantastic for Spain in the past, um, and also. The way this um, Euro Fantasy League is is very different to the um, Fantasy Premier League in the sense that you can change your captain throughout the match week. You can also change your subs throughout the match week. And also, it seems to be heavily based on fixtures. 
For example, big shock, I don't have Kane in my team. And this is purely because um, Kane plays Croatia. And now I do think England is far stronger and also has a far better chance at beating Croatia this time in comparison to 2018 World Cup. So as I do think England will win this game and not, not, not be challenged too much to win this game, I still feel there's better options for even a cheaper price for this match week. As we see Memphis Depay against Ukraine, Lukaku versus Russia. Um, so those, it's, you kind of have to think about it in the sense that these fixtures matter, especially when we are giving these um, these chips, or they're called chips, for um, the people listening at home who don't know what these chips are. These are like, um, kind of, they're called wild cards, I guess you could say. Um, and you can play them one time throughout the whole game, the whole game, and the whole Euros. Um, one is the unlimited money. So for one match week, as much money as you want. And the other one is wildcard, where you can make as many transfers as you want from one game week to the other. So, personally, uh, this week, I'm targeting those weak fixtures, um, the, the strong teams versus the weak fixtures. And then next week, I'm going to be playing my chip and bringing in uh, the strong players like Harry Kane, who play Czech Republic and Scotland. So that's, like, yes, that's kind of my, my, my thought process. Uh, Harry Kane's not on my team. Yeah, so I have gone for Harry Kane, but I've had uh, I have similar ideas in terms of the team structure for the week. So I'm gonna play it match day by match day. I'm thinking a second uh, second match day, which is the actual uh, week in which all the games are played for all the listeners at home. I think I'm gonna do the unlimited uh, money one that that week, uh, as that is the week that. There are a few tough matchups for the players I have in the team. I've got, I've got Immobile, uh, who I th- I'm thinking is going to stay the captain. There is the captain hack, uh, which Ben has sort of mentioned, which I'm going to try uh, utilize in this squad. I've gone um, same um, with the Italy. I've gone uh, Shizaya, um, who's been who's been great this year. Uh, and obviously their fixture is against Turkey. Uh, we will do further episodes on the Euros as it as it comes a bit closer, but I think that that should be a win uh, and a high-scoring win for Italy at that. Um, I think we've got to have a talk about some of these these cheaper players, um, the 4 million players, the 4.5 million players. Um, I think that Owen Windle is going to be an absolute beast for 4.5 uh, million at Netherlands. He's going to be playing uh, Ukraine, He's going to be playing Austria and he's going to be playing North Macedonia. Three teams who all um, are decent at the back with some of their players. Obviously, the standout is Austria and Alaba and what they've done defensively. But they don't have the attack. And and these defenders need uh, to be able to get clean sheets. And I think he's an absolute bargain. I'm also going to say the same about uh, Simon Chayer, who plays for... Um, who plays for AC Milan. Now, in that second week, he is going to be playing uh, Belgium, and obviously they will most likely score against him. But as I said, I'm going to be doing the unlimited uh, money card in that week. And in the other two weeks, he's going to be playing Finland and Russia, two relatively strong sides. But for 4.5 mil, you cannot go wrong on a starting centre-back. So, Paddy, I've also got um, Vindel in my team. I think he's an absolute bargain. I love how you've mentioned him. 
He's also, for Netherlands in the past, he's actually taken over that left-back position. He's one of the starting players and also is fantastic in attack. Um, so he does give you that attacking potential, which is what you really want from an FPL. As much as um, clean sheets are important, um, when you can get clean sheets on top of those attacking returns, um, it's brilliant. That's why you see Trent Alexander-Arnold being so good in the you know the, the normal fantasy Premier League. Um, another player I want to mention, he's a cheap for the position he plays. Um, and I don't, I'm going to butcher his name, but his name is Kaladzic. He's the um, Austrian striker, valued at around 7.5 million. Um, he plays for Stuttgart. Um, he plays for Stuttgart in the Bundesliga, and he's had 16 goals from 33 matches this season. And I can see him being a fantastic option as he plays the newly, the first time ever, North Macedonia. Great congratulations to them for getting into the Euros. So yeah, that's who they play. So I feel like Sasa Kalatasic, I'm going to butcher his name again, Sasa Kalatasic could be a fantastic option with his first game against North Macedonia. Only 7.5 million. Only 1% owned as well. Bit of a differential. Could be fantastic. I've got my eyes on him. Yeah, um, my defense, I feel like, is a bit more, I wouldn't say traditional, but it's a bit more well-known. I've got John Stones tucked in there. Um, I've got DeLict in there as well. And then I think I had um, Paddy's defender, uh, Simon, something I forgot. I don't want to say his last name, butcher it. But um, in goals, I also have, I forgot how to his last name as well, but I think it's Hirodeki, Hirodeki, something like that. Um, I feel like he's got a good, um, good group stage. Yeah, that's the team's. It's been a great week of That's Football. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. A few controversial topics this week, as there always will be. Uh, Make sure to join the Euro Fantasy League. The code, uh, which you can uh, insert in your app or uh, web browser, is 30RSB2AXO6. So if you do want to join that league, um, make sure you insert that code. It'll be fun thing to do. We'll be able to compare squads with our millions of fans. So that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll see who can come out on top and hopefully um, all yeah have a, have a bit of fun with it. Uh, next next week, uh, next episode, we're gonna have a look at all the Euros teams. Um, have a look at some of their starting elevens. We're going to do some predictions. We're going to um, look at the favourites for um, winning the Euros and we're going to have a look at that that match day one, which is sure to, sure to be fun, uh, to be a fun round of football, getting the Euros off and away. You've been listening to Ethan, Paddy and Ben and that's football. <laughs>